0: Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm joined by...
1: I am Anya Crittenton, a writer for Gay Star News.
2: And I am Willby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So welcome to the end of August, everyone. And it's time again for another Millennial Falcon, Millennial Movie Review. And this week, we're reviewing Logan... Lucky, the new film by Steven Soderbergh.
0: Charlotte Motor Speedway. Oh, I know how they moved the money. The only guy who knows anything about blowing up real bank vaults is Joe Bang.
1: I am incarcerated.
2: So, This film is, like I just said, directed by Steven Soderbergh, is written by Rebecca Blunt, and it stars Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, and introducing Daniel Craig as Joe Bang, as uh, as, uh, shown in the credits. Um, The quick synopsis, two brothers attempt to pull off a heist during a NASCAR race in North Carolina. Um, And there's a lot more to it, we can get into that, but that's kind of the basic general gist of it. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and get started with the review? Um, I guess we usually break it down by characters, theme, and plot. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with overall general thoughts? HC, let's go with you.
0: I really like Logan Lucky. I miss Steven Soderbergh doing feature films. This is his return to feature films after, uh, so-called, his so-called retirement a couple of years ago. Uh, he went into television and did, uh, series like The Nick, Uh, for Cinemax, and um, I'm not sure if he will be continuing. And The Girlfriend Experience. I'm sorry? And The Girlfriend Experience for stars. Yes. Um, Which starred Riley Kyo, I think? Or how do you say her name? Yes. Yeah. Who is in Logan Lucky, so she's his new muse. Uh, I hope that he'll return to feature films uh, permanently because this was just such a well-directed film. Watching it, it really reminded me of when movies were just solid and well directed and very sleek uh specifically Soderbergh you probably remember you probably remember him from the Oceans movies Oceans 11 12 and 13 and he is always just a really reliable director and really knows how to take his audience along for a ride um especially with heist movies he's he does really well with the twists and um and turns and sudden plot reveals at the end of this of the uh, third act. Uh, I really liked it. I enjoyed Daniel Craig so much. Uh, this is the first role I've seen him in where he really got to unleash himself <laughs> from you know the the leading man roles that we often see him in in James Bond or even in like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This one he was just playing a really unhinged, wacky character uh, with a really strong Southern accent and. All the acting, all the actors were great. Um, I even liked Adam Driver, who I am weirdly uh, biased against. I guess just because I did not like his character in Girls, and I associate him a lot with that character in Girls.
2: Well, his character in Girls was named Adam.
0: Yes, that's probably true. And he kind of acts in real life as Adam acted in Girls, but he was great in it. Channing Tatum is always great, even though he was just kind of the straight man in this, so he didn't get much to do. when Adam Driver and uh, Daniel Craig were just kind of bouncing out around him. And uh, I really I really enjoyed the unexpected cameos that we had um, at the end of the film. I, I'll save that when we talk about more in depth. So I'll, I'll keep this more general review of it mostly spoiler-free. I agree with that,
1: though. Yes,
0: it was so fun. Uh, yeah, it was just incredibly sleek, fun, a more uh, sort of... Uh, subversive take on the, that of the heist movie than Soderbergh usually does. It's not quite straight. It's like the hillbilly heist that a lot of people have been calling it, and I really enjoyed that take on it. It kind of had that sort of despondency that you see in films like Hell or High Water, which are much more realistic and gritty, but it still had the sleekness of his Oceans movies, so I enjoyed that marriage of the two
1: elements. I agree with you, HT. I also really enjoyed Logan Lucky. I tend to like Soderbergh's more commercial stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he's definitely a director that can go in many different directions and do, like, a big commercial film or a more, like, quirky, like, personal film. And I tend to like his more commercial stuff more. Um, Ocean's Eleven is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love heist movies in general, and that one. It's definitely at the top of the list Um, until Ocean's 8 comes out, of course, (laughs) obviously. Um, And so I really liked Logan Lucky. I mean, I agree with everything you said. It was really funny and clever. I will say for me, like watching Logan Lucky, I expected there to be a drop at some point. Like I was while I was watching it, it sound it. I imagined it as a song where you're expecting like. A drop in the song, like, like the beat a to drop. bass drop or something. <laughs> yeah, and it never really came, which was interesting. Like, I felt like there was just this, like, electricity going through the film, and, like, it never quite exploded the way I expected it to, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I just sort of expected there to be just something, and it just kind of was, it kind of stayed the same line throughout the entire film. Mm. Which I thought was interesting. I feel like even the twist at the end, if you can call it that, was not as like dramatic as I expected. Yeah, it's not the oh my god
0: twist that you get at the end of Ocean's Eleven. Uh, That's kind of like mind blowing and really exciting, but still in line with the rest of the film. But it kind of acts as the sort of uh, narrative climax in a way. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a rising sort of
1: trend in this film, but then it never really, you know. Peaks, Peaks, or like, has a denouement and stuff. But, I mean, I still really enjoyed it. I was laughing a lot. um, And I I agree. Daniel Craig and Adam Driver really stood out to me. Um, I never watched Girls, so I don't really have, I really only know Adam Driver from um, Star Wars and maybe other miscellaneous films I've seen him in, but mostly Star Wars. Um, So I'm mostly just ambivalent towards him, but I thought he was really good in this film. I thought he was really funny. And Daniel Craig was fantastic, of course. So, yeah, so I liked it. What Willoughby. about you, Willoughby?
2: I liked it. I thought it was really clever and fun. Um, really, really smart, I think. Uh, I liked the, I, I think what what I really got was that, you know, with these West Virginians, it's real quick, easily, easy to make fun of them. But kind of like with Fargo, it's just that they're, they're just people from a different area than we normally have films about, and they're not treated they're not treated like they're dumb. They're not treated like they're, like, goofballs. I mean, some of them are, because, the, like, the two brothers who help of Joe Bang, like, they're kind of, like, the comic relief. They're, like, the funniest of all of them. But, like, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver, like, they're taken seriously. And, like, this whole, like, community of folks who, like, are very much working class and trying to, just, like, you know, live their lives. It's very West Virginia. And they... They never. The, the movie is never down about them. It's never making fun of them. It's always. It's just a, like their lives and like the. It's it's like a. It's situational in where the humor comes from. Not oh look at these you know poor West Virginians. They're trying to struggle to make but, to make ends meet. It's like no that's not what they're. that's not what the movie's about. Um, and it's it was fun. It was interesting to see like how much NASCAR was really in this movie. Like they. That's like. They filmed it at a at the Speedway. Like that's not faked. Like they probably had, you know, cameras going during one of the races, and like they filled, you know, like that. Um, And I liked Channing Tatum's performance. I thought he was, you know, it's a it was a good like nuanced performance. That I mean, he's been getting into serious acting a lot more recently, and I thought I think that's cool. Um, And I like that he can do more than just like. Uh, Which is ironic, because he didn't start out doing comedy. He started out doing, like, dramas and stuff. But they were more like melodramas, and now he's... Once he got on that Jump Street money, uh, (laughs) uh, he's using that for benefit. Because he's actually a producer on this this movie, too. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, he's co-producing it with Steven Soderbergh. Because Soderbergh distributed this movie by himself. This is not a studio movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh I, I i liked the whole thing uh daniel craig was a revelation because i've only seen him really just do james bond uh i don't really and me, and I, oh i saw Dra girl with dragon tattoo as well but like other than that i've never really seen him play like a character that like raises his eyebrows <laughs> mm-hmm. or you know like he, he's very always like subdued and martini shaken not stirred but now it's like He's wild, and it's fun. Um, I hope he does more with that. And I liked liked the twists and turns of the plot. I thought it was fun.
0: All right, let's get into our three elements then, story, structure, and themes. So let's get into story first. Uh, Did the story of Logan Lucky hold up for you? Because with uh, heist movies, and particularly Soderbergh heist movies, it relies a lot on twists that... You don't, that aren't really foreshadowed or you don't really see coming, um, and they're kind of introduced in the last act of the film. Uh, did that hold up for you?
1: Yeah, I actually found it. Um, I remember one of the things about Ocean's Eleven, as much as I love it, um, when I like first saw it, I didn't really get all of it. I mean, I was younger, so that probably didn't help, mm-hmm. but like I just found that that movie is a bit more. Complicated, I guess, in its story, mm. um, Then Logan Lucky is. I found Logan Lucky pretty straightforward. Um, I think even with, like, things... He did a good job at, like, revealing things early on, but not showing why they're important. And then, as the movie progresses, you see, like, why... Like, with the cockroaches and the nail polish, like, at first you're wondering, like, why are they painting in different colors? And then, like, you realize why later on. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was pretty pretty easy to understand. um, And yet not like dumbed down. It was just good storytelling.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I liked how it was a straightforward plot. And the twist, like you said, wasn't even that mind blowing. But I think it was because this film seemed to hinge more on an emotional catharsis rather than any sort of like narrative catharsis, which I thought was really interesting. It really... Uh, builds up that relationship between Channing Tatum and his daughter and like being at the pageant even set even then like that wasn't you know the climax of the film it was kind of like a two climax film um, in a way because uh, the first part of the heist ended with him showing up at his daughter's pageant and she sang his favorite song his favorite John Denver song uh, Country Roads which by the way this is like the third film this summer that has used the John Denver song um i think he was killing it yeah baby driver
1: i think was one i'm not sure um i can't remember yeah but But, yeah i think that's an interesting note because like you look at i'm probably going to compare this a lot to oceans (laughs) um but like the relationship between danny and tess is arguably like the most emotional in Mm -hmm. oceans and yet that did not nearly have as much of a like a core presence as the one between Channing Tatum and his daughter in this film like Oceans was much more about like the twist and turns of the plot mm-hmm. and things like that Tess and Danny didn't really have as much resonance as the emotions in this film I think
0: yeah exactly it was very much about the father daughter relationship and um, I'm sorry I'm gonna look this up I wonder if Steven Soderbergh is a father now um, and that like impacted how he made this film oh yeah versus I Ations. actually have no idea Um, because I feel like if so this feels very like a personal film in a way and, and like and kind of encompassing that sort of personal story within his heist film that he's usually known for um, let's see I'm just gonna look this up gonna pause this kids I don't know if he has any oh he has a daughter
2: there you go.
1: Yeah.
2: It's kind of like when Christopher Nolan did Interstellar. That mm-hmm. was about his relationship with his daughter because he's always away making films and he's not there for her all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's one, probably like, you know, a similar standpoint with Steven Soderbergh, like trying to be there for his daughter while making films.
0: hmm Yeah, I think so. Um, and I talked a little bit earlier about the sort of, more realistic components that this film had. Uh, so, I'm gonna go into spoilers, but uh, at the end of the first part of the heist, uh, Channing Tatum's character gives most of the money back, and it kind of, everyone kind of goes back to their everyday lives, and there's this sort of uh, uneasiness about it that reflects a lot of what the situation is for a lot of people who live in West Virginia. And I said it reminded me a lot of Hell or High Water, where there wasn't any sort of You know, payoff at the end. Even though Chris Pine's character got the money, he did lose his brother, and um, at the end, like, it was like, what costs? What costs is all this this money? Um, And here, it it didn't. It wasn't quite as tragic as that, but it did feel like, oh, money will never really be the answer. Even though at the end, um, he did, you know, embezzle a bunch that got, that went under the radar. Um, Even then, though, Channing Tatum was still working, you know, a job at. Walmart, I think? Or Lowe's. Lowe's. He a job at Lowe's, and just being close to his daughter was what made him happy. And I thought that was really interesting. It was very different than, like, your kind of sleek, uh, sort of luxurious feel that you got in the Ocean's movie. Like, uh, these guys are your protagonists, so they're, of, for- of course, going to get the, the happy ending, but in this case, you're like, it's kind of a happy ending, but it's kind of bittersweet at the same time.
2: Yeah, I liked, my, I think my favorite shot in the whole film is when it's a wide shot of the of the audience looking at Channing Tatum's daughter and Chan, uh, Channing Tatum's characters in the back like of, of the gym and like the light coming from the door is like on him. yeah, he's kind of silhouetted and then like but like clearly like even though it's a wide shot, like my focus was on Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. and I thought that was like a really powerful like statement whereas like it's it, it's about the, this community and him and his daughter. It's not really about the money or you know the heist. It was just kind of like to see if he can get more money because he was just laid off mm-hmm. from his job because of his bum leg. And, you know, it's one of those situations where he's just kind of like, well, I've done it before. Let's try and do it and see if we can, can score some money. And then he was like, ah, the money's not really important.
0: Exactly. And it was kind of like you had the impression at the beginning that he was doing this job so that he could get money to get a lawyer and sue for more custody of his kid. But in the end, he just kind of, you know, was still working close to his uh, ex-wife's house so he could just see her, see his daughter on weekends like he did before.
2: So this his is- ex-wife played by Katie Holmes. Katie
0: Holmes, yeah. Um, can we talk about the fun celebrity cameos and appearances, surprising appearances?
2: Do we want to switch over to talking about characters yeah, or is there about- anything else we want to talk about plot?
0: I think, I think I'm, we're all set for plot. Yeah. Let's talk about characters, but first I want to talk about the surprise cameos because they're just so fun. So Katie Holmes was a supporting character. She was the ex-wife of Channing Tatum, and she was a, a really big name to bring in, but I think Soderbergh, being the established director he is, has the power to bring in a lot of well-known actors and actresses. Uh, even He always has A-listers, even yeah. if he's doing
2: a small movie. Small exactly.
0: Lady. Even though he's this is his first feature film in a while and he's self-distributing, like you said, he still got a lot of uh, clout in the industry. And one of that clout is bringing in uh, Hillary Swank at the end of the film. So good. For that a hilarious cool. so cameo. So good. Yeah, I did not know. Is she credited or uncredited in this film?
2: No, she's credited. She's I don't credited. think she's a cameo. I think yeah. that's... She's just a late addition to the She's cast. Really, like, yeah,
1: yeah. I wouldn't late. call her a cameo. It's just mm-hmm. like she comes in at the very end, and mm-hmm. I feel like in a normal movie, I feel like a studio would have been like, "You need to introduce her sooner." She's Hilary Swank. You need to play this up more. Right. Yeah. But Soderbergh being this like his like personal film, mm-hmm. he did what he wanted, and it worked really well. Yeah, I didn't too. realize how much I missed Hillary Swank I until I saw her on screen again. Yeah, yeah, like I saw the when I saw the
2: movie, and, and the, he had you know, drop the truck off at the gas station, I was like, and then, and then had the, the performance of Take Me Home Country Roads, like, I was like, is this it? Is this the movie? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I, I'd be like, I'd be fine with it, because it's kind of like bittersweet, you know, it's all, and all of a sudden, Hillary Swain comes in with her partner in the FBI, I'm like, wait a minute, is this like a fourth act, con- like two, uh, two-point conversion? Like, what's, what are they doing here? Um, uh, so I, I liked I liked Hilary Swank's character I thought she was real fun she always like was you know asking questions she already knew the answer to that was real yeah, fun and
0: her voice inflection was so fun I thought it was just like it was not an over the top accent but it was a very um, pronounced way of speaking that was just so it was really funny just the way that she was talking. I can't really describe it. Um, she was definitely – I
1: feel like she was hamming it up a little bit, yeah, which I really up. thought was fun. Yeah. Well, you could also tell that she was holding back. Like she was like – she could have been a lot more over the top.
0: She was hamming it up. She felt kind of like a almost a satire of your typical uh, FBI detective, very hard-nosed and, and uh, gritty, but in a very, in a very uh, quirky way. So she kind of felt – Kind of like a car- kind of cartoonish in a way, but it was it was fun because like it was so last minute. So again, just like she needed to really sell her part, and I enjoyed it. And I like. Speaking the- of, sorry, go ahead.
2: I was so going say I was going to talk about another character. Uh, just speaking of cartoons, uh, Seth MacFarlane is in this movie. Yes. As the owner of the race. The, no, he or, he or is... owner of the owner of the of the com- company and of th- that sebastian stan drives
1: for
0: yeah like the drink company that advertises for sebastian stan right.
1: before we get into um him because i feel like there's more to say about him i just want to say baby boy sebastian stan forgot he was in this movie and when he showed up on screen i was in theater and i made an undignified sound <laughs> and then had to be like sorry sorry I to everyone around me i turned to my girlfriend <laughs> i was like Who's the winter soldier I just really I love Sebastian Stan. He's so delightful. He is. He's so sweet. I
2: I swear, if this movie was made ten years ago, that role would have been played by Matt Damon. Because Matt Damon, yeah. and, Matt Damon and Soderbergh are like but good buddies. And like the way that Sebastian Stan, his character was like, I could see Matt Damon like being this character. Yeah, and like talking about like. My my operating software and my, you know, the, my body is a computer and like, oh my god, this is, this is definitely a Matt Damon role. But I, I love Sebastian Stan as it too, he did a great job. Uh, and like, I was like, yeah, this, if this movie was made like 10 or 12 years ago, that would have been Matt Damon. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, so what did you Seth guys McFarlane. think of, Seth, what did you guys think of Seth MacFarlane in this movie?
0: Seth MacFarlane, I couldn't help thinking that he was playing a role that was made for Rich, Ricky Gervais. Okay. He was playing a very gervais type role, but I—I mean, I liked him in it. He was really funny and kind of just um, off the walls, you know, cringy humor, like that typical crass British character that you see sometimes as a supporting role, uh, who is meant to annoy the the main characters, and kind of felt out of line with the uh, the realism that I was talking about earlier of the of the film. But in line with the cartoonishness of the later part of the film, which felt right. Yeah, as well. like he kind
2: of he brings in a part of the movie that it it, it it's, he's like the beginning of a thread that isn't really pulled until the end of the movie, mm-hmm. where suddenly oh like that's why he's here is because he's also like part of the NASCAR and like doing that exactly. Um, and I like yeah. I liked see, what, I thought
1: what, that. Now go for it.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say I liked his interactions with Channing Tatum and Adam Driver because like. These two get character. These two characters, who are clearly like established, like serious people, who are down on their luck, heh. Um, and he's like this millionaire coming in with, you know, he's his buddies and making fun of Adam Driver's missing hand and Channing Tatum's got a bum leg, and it just seems like, you know, you're waiting for the the shoe to drop and the fight to start, and then it does, and it's like funny because I like the way he's like he pulls up he's like can I get a can I get a selfie for my daughter and then like boom yeah. knocks him on his ass so what yeah are you
1: saying? um I feel like Seth MacFarlane a little bit thought he was in a different movie than he <laughs> actually was in yeah um I thought he was funny and I actually have nothing against Seth MacFarlane I know he's somewhat of a polarizing figure um I've become a little bit fond of him because my roommate really loves him. And so I've kind of like seen him through her eyes. Um, And so I'm actually a little bit fonder of Seth MacFarlane these days than I used to be. Um, And I thought he was funny in this film. I just wonder how necessary he was. I think he he ends up being necessary when the FBI
2: investigation happens. Because there's the whole deal with him and Sebastian Stan. And then they... They, you know, like all the all the plot threads kind of coalesce, and the fact that Bucky Barnes, Sebastian Stan, says like, uh, "Oh no, I never had a conversation with him in the hallway," and then like that that thread is dropped
1: for the FBI. Uh, and no, so, like, I mean, like, yeah, I get like plot wise, like oh, okay. it makes sense. I just wonder if he was necessary if the story really needed him, or could yeah. have like gone a similar route without him he felt i think it could have he could have not been in the movie definitely
2: but i think that the way that he was trying to tell the story of having like all these different plot threads come together um and then uh somehow you know because it's like oh you know he knows them from the bar and he sees them in in the nascar uh speedway like what, how are they going to get out of this one? And then they do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would prefer less Seth MacFarlane, more Catherine Waterston. Because I liked her when she appeared, but She, she was great. In the film,
1: Yeah, I really liked her character and her, I thought her chemistry with Channing Tatum was really fun. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed that we didn't see more of her. Yeah, agreed. I thought we
2: were going to get more of her, too. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to be more involved with the plot of, like, the, the actual heist. Yeah. Because there was a lot of vans being used, and I thought, oh, Same. maybe they're going to use her van.
1: Yeah. That's what I thought. When I first saw it, I thought he was going to get the idea to use the van as, like, yeah. a, a hideaway or getaway sort of thing. But I do like the fact that, you know,
2: they were talking about how they don't have enough money for uh, everything, and then... She got a little, a little, a little piece of the action at the end of it, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, and, and so, then and it looks like they're uh, they were dating by the end of it.
0: Yeah, that was cute. Um, yeah, so back to Seth MacFarlane fitting in the story. He did kind of feel like a stock Soderbergh character that was kind of inserted into a movie that didn't really need a character like him. Uh, so we have like a bunch of the stock Soderbergh characters that kind of fit in and out of this movie, like the um, like. Uh, Joe's brothers, or brother and his friend, like the two pair of like computer whizzes, as they say. No, they're both brothers. Oh, they're, they're both, both his brothers? brothers? Okay. Yeah. They're both his brothers. Uh, they kind of felt like Sock Soderbergh characters as well because they don't really get much characterization outside of their archetypes. And they're like the Casey Affleck and, um, what's his name? Scott. I know. Yeah. yeah. Of, the, of the original Ocean's films. Um, so they, they definitely felt like, we, like Soderbergh was revisiting that for... Um, for Logan Lucky, but they fit in the context of the film, whereas Seth MacFarlane was kind of inserted a little bit strangely. I guess it, like, drives sort of some conflict between um, Adam Driver and Channing Tatum, but it didn't really work, and it was a weird introduction. Um, I think he's
2: just a plot device. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think he was fine. I think it was kind of a fun a way for Soderbergh to stretch some of his character um, character types and have some fun with it. Uh, but I kind of preferred. Like we got some of those uh, cartoonish types at the end of the film, and I kind of preferred them being at the end of the film because it felt kind of like this, uh, this fun. Um...
2: Like the security guards.
0: Yeah, no, like not like yeah, the security guards too, and like Hilary Swank as well, and Sebastian Stan. We just kind of got introduced to all these characters at the end, and it felt like a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a little hanger, or not hanger, but attachment at the end. of I know there's like a word for it but I can't remember um, at the end of the film. That was just really fun. Um, so it felt not disconnected from it, but just kind of like an, a nice little addition, like a compliment to what the central story was saying.
1: I'm trying yeah. To um, we've talked a little bit about like the main three guys, Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig, but I think we can talk about them a little more. I just think, so we're at a point now, right? Where Channing Tatum no longer needs to prove himself, right? right right like at, we as a society have accepted that Channing Tatum is great and talented right mm-hmm. yeah because for a while I remember he had he was definitely fighting an uphill battle in terms of like what people thought of him as an actor
0: instead of like, it, like rather than being accepted as a good actor he was kind of this just pretty face like a pin-up um, because he was, yeah, they try- Hollywood but was now, trying to push him as like the next romantic lead, and he was not really fitting in that genre. But once he discovered his talent for comedy, then he really started being accepted. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he's been
2: and he's been in like supporting roles, or a little bit more than more than just supporting, and like a lot of you know, uh, well, uh, well, uh, not well, uh, good directors. Or, um, like n- n- movies like he was in um uh he was in The Hateful Eight he was I know Hail Caesar is a great movie but the, he he's been in the, he, was he was great in, in Hail Caesar. Though. He Hail Caesar wasn't great but he was great in Hail Caesar yes. with the Coen brothers and now he's in so oh, actually he was in Magic Mike with uh, Soderbergh and I haven't seen it but I've heard he's good in it and He's good. And, he, and then he's now in another Soderbergh movie and he's great in this I think this is definitely one of his most nuanced roles
1: yeah yeah and I just like I feel like Soderbergh is one of the people who like sort of saw Channing Tatum for what he really was and what he could offer
0: yeah with like yeah.
1: Magic Mike um which again is a movie that people like write off but it's actually it actually
0: got a lot of uh good reviews when it first came out like, yeah I mean kind no- of... yeah yeah
2: my favorite review of Magic Mike is that it's the Citizen Kane of male stripper movies.
1: <laughs> yes. It's, um, I mean, I prefer Magic Mike XXL, because it's just the more fun of the two.
2: And that wasn't directed by him, right? No.
1: No. Right. Um, It's definitely the more indulgent and more fun of the two. Magic Mike, the first one, is more plot-based. Um, But Soderbergh definitely, like, saw Channing Tatum and everything he had to offer. Um, And, like, thank goodness for that, because I'm so glad we have Channing Tatum.
0: Me too. I really liked him as the third act scene stealer that he was last year with films, like you were saying, like uh, Hail Caesar, Hateful Eight, um, even, like, The World—no, not The World End. This Is The End. This Is The End. Yeah, This Is The End, Uh, those kind of comedy films. And then he has stretched his acting chops, too, with uh, Magic Mike and— then now with Logan Lucky, which he had a lot of nuance with.
2: And he was in Foxcatcher with Steve Carell mm. and Mark Ruffalo. Oh, yeah.
1: Right. So he's
2: been in, like, a lot of, like, heavy movies recently. Um, I like it. I mean, like, you cannot deny that the Drum Street movies are amazing. They are. And that he's he's one of the best parts of those movies. Um, and I think that that just shows. And he said that he doesn't, he didn't know he was funny before those movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the director, uh, the um, Lord Miller were basically just like, just be yourself. And he was like, okay. And then he was. And so it's like, okay, so Taylor's, so Channing Tatum's an amazing, like, funny guy. It's which I like believe.
0: in the Sony hack emails where we saw Channing Tatum's emails about, uh, I think, 21 Jump Street beating... Some movie at the box office, and it's yeah. just half a page of him typing, "Ha ha 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 ha" in all caps. It yeah. it's like "Suck it," whatever that movie was. And he's just a hilarious, you know, frat frat bro with a heart of gold, and that's why he's just so lovable. You know. Yeah, and, um, um, he was
2: also. We also have to uh, talk about his uh, performance on Lip Sync Battle as Beyonce, which was crazy. And yes. Beyonce showed up, and that was like a fun moment. Yeah, no, um, I'm.
0: I'm really happy that he's come into his own now, and I think that Logan Lucky is definitely a step forward for him in that because he really got to show some range. Even though, like I said, he was kind of the straight man to Adam Driver and Daniel Craig's more um, uproarious characters, he definitely showed a lot of range in this film, um, with some comedy moments as well as moments between more intimate moments between him and his daughter, uh, different sort of relationships he had with his wife his ex-wife with Catherine Waterston, and then with uh his sister Riley played by Riley Kyo I can't say her last name I don't really know how to say it um so what do we think of the other uh actors and characters we talked a little bit about uh, Adam Driver and Daniel Craig uh do you want to talk a little bit more about Adam Driver's character or his
1: acting um I thought oh, I thought he was funny his I liked his his
2: character was like sad mm-hmm but like he was like a funny clown because he's like, like a yeah. sad clown, a, a sad clown. Yeah, because he's kind of like he's making jokes and he's he's got his good he's got good timing. I think his jokes only work if he has like the timing for it, mm-hmm. and I think he does. Um, Adam Driver is a very physical person, so it was, it was interesting that they ha- that Soderbergh was like we're gonna cut off one of your hands for this, um, or not cut off, but like you know have him play a one arm a, a one arm man, and the the fact that he had to like kind of shift his whole. You know body around to like deal with that and i think he he did a really good job yeah
0: they Um, used his uh clumsy lankiness to their advantage especially with him having only one arm so that provided a lot of fodder for jokes but it wasn't just like oh he has one arm that's so funny but it was like it was more expensive jokes than just the lowest possible denominator so
2: yeah and and i liked i liked his the way he i liked his accent like the way he his line reading Mm -hmm. i thought he had excellent right line readings um, like, when he's, like, when he sees, uh, Joe Bang and the nurse, and he's like, I can take him mm-hmm. to the, ba- the, to the bathroom, I can walk slowly. It's like, that was a,
1: that I, was a fun. Uh, yes, I laughed really hard with the cauliflower bit. Yeah. <laughs> at the bar, where, like, it cuts, and he's like, did you just say cauliflower? And then it cuts to the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, last night, did I hear you correctly say cauliflower, cauliflower. to me? <laughs> So, yeah. And yeah, I agree. His timing and his like delivery is really on point. And I think it it shows that Adam Driver is also has talent mm-hmm. and, you know, has a fun career ahead of him.
0: Agreed. Um, and yeah, you know, like his uh, sort of tragic backstory of being of joining the army and losing his arm uh, after like stepping on a mine. Uh, and wanting to join the army so that he could gain the respect that his football star brother had, and sort of that um, resentment between them, it really worked
1: well as well in this film. Um, yeah, and the fact that Adam Driver himself is a veteran yep, mm-hmm. is also. That's true. That's very true. Has that kind of added layer.
0: Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Daniel Craig. I feel like we have complimented a lot, him a lot, but do you guys want to add anything about Joe... What's his name? Joe... Uh, Bang. Joe Bang. Joe Bang.
1: It's, it's very aptly so named. It's so great to see him having the fun that he had in like the first couple Bond films. Mm-hmm. Like, let's. Jan- or, um, Daniel Craig didn't always hate playing James Bond. No, like was he clearly having fun in Casino Royale, in Skyfall. Like he was still enjoying himself, and now he just hates it. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's become really sad to witness his like descent into despair over James (laughs) Bond and he finally like had fun in this movie. And I was like, man, this is the Daniel Craig I want to see more of. Yeah. I think there's
0: like, there's a lot of, uh, energy and anger that's like
1: simmering under
0: Daniel Craig's performance in the first James Bond movies. And in this one, he kind of, instead of it being under the surface, he kind of just like brought it out onto the surface and more. He just kind of expanded it in a big bang.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) and uh yeah he was he was just so unhinged and so fun in this it kind of reminded me of how John Hamm's character in Baby Driver just completely went off the rails and and like just uh was completely different than anything we'd seen before of him for me this was that performance for Daniel Craig I've never seen him this just
1: Unleashed. unleashed
0: before yeah so i i enjoyed it i want him to see i want him to do more character actor roles like this more supporting roles um i think he is kind of kind of like brad pitt in that how he has sort of leading man good looks but in a rugged way he's not exactly as conventionally attractive as brad pitt and he's a character actor um underneath these leading man um looks so yeah it really it, this movie really helped just expand on that
2: it's always weird how you know you get all these leading man roles. Leading men like leading movies, and you're like they'd be better as character actors. They're just too good looking for character actors or whatever. Like, just it's always funny because like uh, I'm trying to think of another person who like along those lines is like should be more of a character actor than a leading man, but they're Uh oh. Well, no, because he's good. I was just going to say Chris Pine, I think, can do more than just play leading men. Like, I think he's good. He was great in Wonder Woman as Mm -hmm. Steve Trevor. Like, he's playing a supportive role. Um, You know, like, him and John Hamm, like, both of them are good-looking men. And they're not bad in their, like, most known roles as Captain Kirk and Don Draper. But, like, John Hamm is excellent. He has excellent comedic timing. He's very funny in 30 Rock. He's very funny on SNL. And he's very funny in other movies he's been in, um, but like you know, it's always these these guys are almost like typecast into being like these serious leading men, and then they do character and then character work like DiCaprio's work in uh, Django Django Unchained is a character. He's a very character villain. Like he's mm-hmm. not nuanced. He's very much a one. Like he's evil. Like that's the thing. And but we're 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 used to him being like the protagonist and the guy we should agree with and you know the good guy and now he's like playing an evil guy so it's always fun when leading men don't play they play against type
0: yeah i think steven soderbergh um is especially good at noticing and taking advantage of the untapped potential of a lot of these actors so i remember when i first saw oceans 11 it was actually in i think you took me to your class, Willoughby. And it was some sort of... Maybe it wasn't you, but it was someone in like a college in college who was doing um, some sort of section on celebrity and the image that they have in film and how Ocean's Eleven was very much about that celebrity image taking over the characters in that film. And here, in Logan Lucky, I feel like it's the opposite. It's kind of these well-known actors and yeah. celebrities take like kind of uh, giving this really raw and um again unleashed performance uh and kind of subverting whatever people thought of their images as celebrities and as actors. And I think that's really interesting. It's um it's kind of an anti oceans in a way.
1: Although it's- interestingly you can draw a parallel because George Clooney sort of prior to Oceans was seen very much as just like a pretty boy. Mm-hmm just, like, a handsome, like, very easy-on-the-eyes sort of celebrity, and Ocean sort of gave him more, like, clout and, Mm -hmm. well, but also just more, like, genuine, like, talent, the way that Magic Mike did for Channing Tatum. So while Ocean's is very slick and it is very, like, celebrity-dominant, I feel like it's celebrity-dominant now and was less so when it came out. Because, like, George Clooney wasn't George Clooney the way he is now when he played Danny Ocean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, when it came out, George Clooney wasn't the, like, heavy hitter that he is now. He was still trying to prove himself. So I think it's interesting that Soderbergh, like you said, sees potential in people and sort of gives them a chance to prove themselves and i think he did that with george clooney and he did it with channing tatum and you know even like daniel craig like we all know he's a good actor but this is a new side of him that soderbergh sort of like brought out and let us see that's
2: why yeah. i liked i liked matt damon in the informant because it showed it was uh, matt damon against type um because he was like this bumbling fool who was a little bit overweight with a mustache that wasn't super like uh, manicured or you know and it was just sort of funny to see like Matt Damon kind of like be like a regular dude but also like you know the he was the, the main character of a, of the movie but he was not Matt Damon as we usually see him
0: yeah I think Soderbergh is really interesting because he I think is a director who is the most aware of the part that celebrity and image plays into Hollywood and, to, and into films and also a director who doesn't really care about that as much or maybe like wants to play with that
1: idea or that perception Super of it. True.
0: Yeah. And I think that like Logan Lucky does that really well. Agreed. Uh, so we've touched a lot about themes uh, already. I think we can move on from characters because we kind of touched on most of them um, unless you guys want to talk about any of the other actors or characters. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, so we touched a lot on themes already uh, with the emotional through line of this film being Channing Tatum's relationship with his daughter, uh, with there kind of being two climaxes in a way with the heist as well as uh, the emotional catharsis at the pageant. Um, anything else you guys want to add about the themes?
1: I think it was interesting. I I wasn't really like thinking about themes. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some movies that obviously make you think a lot about theme or larger place in society. Things like that. And I feel like Logan Lucky had... Obviously it has themes and it has this emotional resonance that we've talked about, but it wasn't... It didn't, like, dominate the movie. Yeah. And I didn't find myself like thinking about it too much, which is fine.
0: For me, the biggest takeaway was just how well-directed this film is. I feel like film, a lot of films these days are either trying to do something groundbreaking or doing an homage to old films or doing something like very shaky cam or something, or it's just like kind of simple in terms of their direction style. Whereas here, I could really see that Soderbergh was a master at work. Uh, there was a moment during the um, during the heist when he was sort of panning between uh, the guards who are walking around trying to det- find the smoke and uh, going to Channing Tatum and Joe, Joe Bang trying to to fix the issue with the with the fence, with the guardrail. And it really heightened the tension, the way that he was cutting back and forth between them, but also showing them sometimes in the same shots. And it's the kind of shots that you will see shown in film class, and I was really appreciative of that, because I was just like, I love when there's just good filmmaking in films, and you don't have to, you can just appreciate how well made like, this film is, and how it really guides the audience along, guides the viewer along.
1: Yeah, I think we've started to take uh, that for granted over the last few years. It's a reason, part of the reason why I love Spotlight so much Mm -hmm. is that Spotlight is, like, it's not doing anything fancy, but it is a perfectly made film. Like, they might not be trying to do any, like, tricks a la The Revenant of the same year, (laughs) but, like, we've taken for granted the fact that, like, directing a movie is not an easy job and when they can do it so perfectly and it seems it seems so easy because it's so tight and just so well done like there's something to really be appreciated in that I feel and I really hope that we're starting to kind of see a turn towards that in movies again because everything has become just a little bit more bombastic and trying to like one up each other And I think there's a time and place for that. Like technology is one of the things that we should be pushing and we should be trying to see everything we can do with it. But that doesn't mean that that has to be every movie or that perfectly made films, quieter films can't also get, you know, some love and appreciation.
0: Willoughby, do you have anything you want to add to that?
1: Nope, that was
2: pretty succinct. (laughs) <laughs>
0: all right i think that is a great way to wrap up our review of logan lucky uh let's end it with our uh five star or like not five star review how, how many stars we rate out of five stars for this film right yes yes <laughs> i always forget our rating system because we do this once once a month all right <laughs>
1: ht what's yours
0: i will you give start this us off. four out of five stars
1: all right i am gonna go with you and give it a four out of five stars i'm gonna give it four and a half Ooh, okay Ooh. so that is hold on what? is it still just four is it 4.25 4. 4. 2, 4.25 4. 5. thanks <laughs> look at us being like not math people 4.2 or it's <laughs> 4.17 4.
0: 4. 4. 4. really but let's go
1: 4.2 out of five all right
0: Alright, and let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really like you. Alright, Willoughby, why don't you lead us on Really Like? What do you like this week?
2: Um, I finished a podcast uh, called The Adventure Zone. It, I talked about the McElroy Brothers uh, podcast podcast Uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me a couple weeks ago and I think I mentioned that they have a side project called The Adventure Zone and uh, I finished it this week and it is, it was emotionally devastating, I will Mm. say that. It's a, it's, they're basically turned into like a radio drama of of a Dungeons and Dragons uh, story and, you know, they're still they still roll the dice and they still like choose actions, but I really loved the way that it was all about found family and the bonds you make with people, and fantasy stuff too. Like it was all like a great like, you know, if you're into you know fantasy like Dungeons and Dragons or Lord of the Rings and elves and orcs and halflings and dragons and stuff. This was great. Um, It's just all uh, great characters, great um, storytelling by the dungeon master Griffin McElroy, um, and just uh left me emotionally compromised and it was great. Uh, I loved it. So if you guys like, you, like you want to listen to something that's 70 hours long and full of great storytelling and good character work, uh, the Adventure Zone.
1: Alright. Willoughby, have you listened to Hello from the Magic Tavern?
2: No. I mean, I've heard of it and I know what it's about, but I haven't listened to it yet.
1: That one's really fun too and it's like the similar fantasy element. It sounds a bit sillier than the one you're talking about? Oh um, no! The Adventure Zone really... is
2: also the Adventure Zone is also incredibly funny, but oh, by the end, yeah, of it, it, it's like it's like the, the the finale. It's very like you know this is a this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. What the hell?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I would just if you like that, I would recommend Hello from the Magic Tavern to you as well. Cool. All right, um, Anya, why don't you go next? All right, so mine is less pop culture based um but it's something that i've been super enjoying the past couple weeks and it's been kind of like my big source of like happiness and like peace lately and that is uh yoga Mm. which i realize is super not pop culture related um and very general but like i started going to yoga the past few weeks and it's been really great and you know i am a bit of a skeptic sometimes with things like not necessarily yoga, but like things things. like acupuncture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, I'm a bit skeptic about that kind of stuff, but yoga has been really great. Um, and I really love it. It's hard. It's a lot harder than people think it is. Like, I feel like people are like, ah, it's so like relaxing and you just breathe and you just sit there and it's actually really tough, um, in a good way. um, but there is there's one at the studio I go I started going to there's one teacher um, and you know traditional yoga music is very soothing and relaxing and there's one teacher that I've gone to and she actually uses um, like modern music as like themes for her yoga classes so like bringing in the pop culture a bit so like when David Bowie passed away she had a class that was entirely David Bowie music mm-hmm. um, and like um, the night after the election last year she had all these very like inspirational sort of like rise up songs for our yoga class and so she uses modern music um, to theme her yoga classes which is actually really fun and a bit different so I'm into yoga and listening to good music while I stretch out. Have a good time. Awesome uh so
0: i was debating what to do for my really like i'm not really sure but i'm gonna go with a movie trailer uh i'm really excited about the new richard linklater film which is the last flag flying it stars brian cranston steve carroll and laurence fishburne and the trailer is very linklater so you can either love it or hate it but as a Hardcore Link Later fan and being a huge fan of the before movies, I'm all in because it's just three guys who are three really talented actors taking an emotional, intimate road trip across the country in which they deal with life and philosophy and loss, and I'm about that. And apparently, it's actually an official sequel to a Hal Ashby movie from the 1970s um, called, I forgot what it was called, but starred Jack Nicholson. And um, this is sort of the, the more mature, wizened versions of those characters in that film. Brian Cranston playing the older version of Jack Nicholson's character. And it looks really good It's about these three veterans who uh, reunite to um, go to the funeral of one of the veteran's sons who died in um, Afghanistan. So they decide not to bury the body in Arlington Cemetery, but to drive it across the country to his home, so it's it
1: seems very uh, bittersweet and heart wrenching, and I'm very excited to see it. Um, wait, quick question: Did you say that uh, resident hot dad Steve Carell is in this? Yes, he With is. A thick I think mustache. you're gonna have to watch a link later film, Anya. Thick mustache. I mean, I saw Boyhood. I just didn't really care for Boyhood. Yes. So. Speaking of
2: Boyhood, um, <laughs> boyhood my friend, my friend, shout out to my friend Geek who said, "Oh, he should have called this Manhood." because it's all about manhood that actually Uh, is pretty funny
1: (laughs) um i do i i know i know i need to see the before trilogy and i will i'm not like i've only seen one richard linklater film so i can't write him off yes but um i will try the before trilogy and possibly this and we will see boyhood Um, is not the most
2: linklater i mean it's a very linklater movie but i would say like You gotta watch. It's not the
0: quintessential Linklater. It's not quintessential. You
2: gotta watch Days and Confused. You gotta watch the Before trilogy. You gotta watch Everybody Wants Some. You gotta watch. I mean, you've seen School of Rock, so you've seen a Linklater movie.
1: Yeah. Um, and you got School of Rock with Richard Linklater. It was what? (laughs) Okay, well, there is a Linklater movie that I love then because School of Rock is fantastic. It is the best.
2: Um, so you know
1: he's. You just blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So, you know, he, I, Boyhood is very divisive. I know people who hate it, or I know people, and I know he, people who love it. I'm, I l- liked it. I thought it was well crafted filmmaking.
0: Yes, I liked it, but and then, I admired it for its ambition.
2: I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. it. It was an incredibly ambitious movie, and I liked what he did with it. But it was. I will. I, if a, ch- a choice between three hour long Boyhood and ninety minute Everybody Wants Some. It's ninety minute Everybody Wants them Like probably every time. No,
0: I would just go with watching the whole Before trilogy.
2: Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> including that too. Like, Before he's, Midnight, he's, which he's is like got so many, so many movies that are more accessible. No, I wouldn't say accessible. Just like Does that appeal to different. Uh, he's like he has a lot I of. I think range. the other the, the other movies in his in his uh filmography would appeal to you anya Mm -hmm. more than boyhood
1: would yeah okay
2: so like Um, i would not call boyhood like not not all of it all of his movies they're very talky but they're not
1: all boyhood okay um well definitely this one sounds more appealing because hot dad steve (laughs) Crow is in it so and he's playing the heartbroken Um, dad so i can also prove that Uh, I did not jump on the bandwagon with Steve Carell because on my time hop the other day (laughs) it came up Jon Stewart's last daily show and I tweeted Steve Carell all caps lots of exclamation points hashtag crush (laughs) so like I've been on the Steve Carell train for a while just Uh, putting that out there (laughs) alright anyway that's gonna end our episode (laughs) (laughs) If anyone has any thoughts on Logan Lucky, Last Flag Flying, um, well, it's a podcast called The Adventure Zone? Yes. Yeah! The Adventure Zone, Yoga, or Steve Carell. (laughs) That should have been my really like for the week. (laughs) Come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on
2: Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is no, Millennial Falcon or, Podcast. MillennialFalconPodcast.wordpress.com. And uh, our SoundCloud is available to listen to. We're also on uh, iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there.
1: And we're also on the internet. Where can they find you guys? You can find me at HTranBui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter.
2: And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter.
1: All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye.
0: Bye.